Welcome to worship. Uh, so excited to have you joining us here at Chapel in the Pines uh, this way uh, on this Sunday morning. And today is actually a, a special day. Um, many of you probably don't even realize uh, this Sunday is actually a church holiday. Uh, it's a holiday called Pentecost Sunday. And what Pentecost Sunday is, is the celebration of of the coming of the Holy Spirit onto the disciples of Jesus and his other followers uh, after uh, Jesus had ascended uh, into heaven in the book of Acts. So, so Easter has already happened, uh, and then he has ascended into heaven, and then the disciples are told to wait, uh, and they wait there, and then they are given the gift of the Holy Spirit upon them. So uh, we're going to focus this entire service around this Pentecost Sunday. If you want to follow along in Scripture, most of this is going to come from Acts uh, chapter 2. But let's pray as we get going. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for just the ability that we have to, to come to your Word, uh, to study what you have for us today. Lord, it's a privilege uh, to be able to look at what you have for us, to be able to to see what it means uh, to people that lived long ago, but also to apply it to our own lives. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for uh, your word. Uh, we thank you so dearly for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that you'd bless this time. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, as I already said, is this time of, of the giving of the Holy Spirit. And, and I like to joke around with people. I, I think that there's different church traditions that if you were to take the Trinity, uh, the Godhead, sometimes people call it the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, three in one, all God, uh, fully God. Uh, again, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think if you look at different church traditions, uh, I think church traditions pick a favorite uh, out of the Trinity and really focus uh, on that favorite. So uh, just an example, I think there's some churches that, that because of their reverence, uh, because of their ability to, uh, to worship in the ways that they worship, um, that they really kind of focus on God the Father. They focus on, on this God that, that is a provider, that is uh, a creator. Uh, and, and when they primarily talk about God and they talk about Scripture, uh, they talk about, about God the Father, this heavenly Father figure. Uh, that might sound familiar to some of you, maybe, maybe in a church growing up. I think our church's tradition uh, generally focuses on uh, God the Son focuses on Jesus Christ. I think if we're honest and we look at, again, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I, and and we shouldn't play favorites, but if, if we do, uh, I think we can honestly say that we, we kind of lift up uh, Jesus Christ. We lift up God the Son and we, we talk about him weekly. We talk about him all the time and, and his saving grace and what he did for us and, and the redemption uh, that comes from that. But, but if you were to kind of look at our tradition, I would say, Generally, uh, the Son uh, is our favorite. And then there's some traditions, more, more Pentecostal uh, traditions, that the Holy Spirit 
uh, is where they're at, and they are they're focused on the Spirit. And you just talk to people from these traditions. You you hear a lot about God's Spirit. You hear about what God is doing uh, in the world right now. God active and present. Um, so today we're going to focus on the Spirit. Uh, it might not be our normal route uh, that we take, but it's it's so very important. Um, but before we do that, I just want to say, uh, I was just kind of imagining this, and, and the Spirit is told to be given to us uh, as, a, as an advocate, and as a helper, and as, as a witness in our own lives. And the power of the Spirit is the power in which Christians live and act in the world today. Uh, it is through the Holy Spirit. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking of, of power, I'm thinking of strength, and, and one thing that comes to mind uh, in my own family, and, and I'm sure you've all had instances of this, where, where I will often, uh, I, I try to like, uh, we're moving furniture or something, and I want to like move stuff on my own. Uh, I'm strong enough that I want to like pick up that whole table and move it, and sometimes my kids follow along, uh, and they try to do the same thing, but, but they're young, so, so it will take a whole team. Uh, you know, all three might, might pick up one corner of a table and all kind of struggle together to move it. Uh, and, and the reason this popped into my head was I think uh, as a father, when I'm able to come alongside uh, to be the fourth uh, wheel in that equation, really the one who, if we're honest, is carrying the most weight, Really the one who, if, if we fully study the situation, is, is actually controlling everything. Um, yes, my sons are doing things. They, they are holding their corner and they are working. Um, but we're able to come alongside. I think that's a little bit, uh, just kind of a taste of how the Holy Spirit works in our own lives. That, that yes, we are working. Yes, we are trying to accomplish God's will. Yes, we are, we are striving on our own, and we're trying to reach out to our friends and our neighbors with the good news of who Jesus is. But what we don't often see working behind the scenes is that the one carrying the weight, the one lifting most of the table and controlling it, is actually God, the Holy Spirit, who is with us, this wonderful gift that we have. So as we dive into Scripture uh, today... Uh, we're diving into Acts chapter 2. So as we dive into Scripture today, we're actually diving into uh, Acts chapter 2. So I encourage you uh, to open open your Bible. We're just going to read right through it uh, ourselves. Again, Acts chapter 2. So in chapter 1, uh, Jesus has been resurrected. He's been living with his disciples. Uh, and we read in Acts Chapter 1, verse 8, this promise that Jesus has. He tells his disciples, I, w- I won't always be with you. Uh, there's a time where I'm going to leave, and that actually happens soon. And he says, but, this is again, Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it continues on, verse 9, and it says, 
After he had said all this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. So this is the last words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven and leaves his disciples behind. So he's been journeying with them. They've witnessed uh, him die on the cross. They've witnessed Easter, this resurrection. And now he's been with them for another 40 days. And now he's going to leave. And he's going to leave them behind to be his witnesses. Now that mission is not done. That mission is not done for us as the church because it says they will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we know, there's many places in our world right now, some places near to us, some places in even maybe our own family units, uh, where people have not bore witness to Jesus Christ yet. So this is ongoing work. But who is helping with it? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you will be my witnesses, but you won't be my witnesses alone. You won't be my witnesses in isolation or without help. Let's jump ahead here. So again, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Now I want to pause there. Pentecost is actually this older Jewish holiday. Many Christians don't realize this. This is, this is a day that is a celebration that takes place a set number of days after Passover. In uh, this celebration, it, it's kind of this harvest kind of festival. And this celebration is one of the three big festivals uh, in their day. So it's one of the three big Jewish festivals. And people from all over the world, all over the known world, traveled to Jerusalem to be there for this festival. And it's called Passover. Or it's called Pentecost. So, what we're about to read about is a story that took place on a day called Pentecost. So that's why, as we get there, that the people have gathered in Jerusalem. People from all over the world. They're gathered for this other festival, but God is doing something new here. Again, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Meaning the disciples. They're all, they're all huddled together. Jesus has now left. Fear is, again, at an all-time high. They, they are worried of what could happen to them, so they are huddled together. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. All right, so, so what's going on here? So the disciples have gathered. They're, they're again all in one place. And they hear this sound like a violent wind. And through the windows and through everything, uh, what appears to be fire uh, comes in, um, and, and it comes to rest on top of each person. Uh, you've probably seen depictions of this in art. Uh, it comes to rest on top of each person, and as it does, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. For the first time, it's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
and they begin to be witnesses. Now, a witness is somebody who gives a testimony of something they have seen. So, they begin to be witnesses, and not, not just in their own language, but they're speaking other languages. Why are they speaking other languages? Because people who these languages are their heart language have gathered in Jerusalem for this Pentecost celebration. So now the disciples are speaking in languages that they've never even known, that they've never even learned, and they're being empowered and enabled by the Spirit to do this. Verse 5. Now they were staring in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Because, again, they're here for this festival. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a place where where your primary language uh, is not the language of the people around you. Uh, I've spent some time uh, in the Caribbean. I've spent some time in Mexico. And, and in those settings, when English is not the primary language, but it's my primary language, uh, when I hear someone else speaking English, it just stands out. You, you can kind of hear, even if it's somebody in the distance. You know, everybody might be speaking Spanish, and I know a little bit, but really not enough at all. Uh, so I, I kind of hear it, but it, it kind of, uh, my brain starts to tune it out. It kind of becomes noise uh, in a sense. But I can pick up someone, and, and your brain has this ability too, to pick up someone from quite a distance away if they're just speaking your language. So that is what's happened here. These crowds have gathered, and they all start to hear their language. They all start to hear uh, someone speaking in their language, and it stands out to them because they're in Jerusalem. These are these are not people that speak uh, generally their, their language, so they're, they're intrigued. And a crowd gathers because everyone hears their own language being spoken. Verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they all from Galilee, these, these people that are speaking? How is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? It goes on to list many, many different regions. Uh, and it's actually fascinating. If, if, you, if you look it up someday, you can find some maps that point out uh, each of these regions. It goes on for several verses. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. So they're not just speaking. Again, the Holy Spirit has enabled them to be witnesses. He's enabled them to, to speak out of the goodness of God. So they're hearing about the wonders of God, but in their own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Verse 14, and then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then Peter goes on uh, to read this portion that I'll read for you uh, from the prophet Joel, an ancient Hebrew prophet that these Jewish people would have known of. And, and he predicts what will happen. So here it is, verse 17. The prophet Joel says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. In verse 21, and Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now Peter goes on here. And he goes on to explain from their own history who Jesus is as the Messiah. Some people call this uh, the first great sermon. Uh, I've heard it called. And he, he ties Moses in. And he ties David in. And he ties all these figures that people would have known and he's connecting it with them, and he's saying, uh, you think you know the whole story, but, but you don't know all of it because you don't know Jesus yet. And he continues on, and if I skip ahead, I get to verse 36, and he says, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and and Messiah. Both Lord and Messiah. Lord and Savior. When the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ and for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41. Those who accepted his message and were baptized were about 3,000, and they were added to their number that day. So a recap of the story. The disciples are sitting there. They've gone. Uh, they're, they're still in Jerusalem. They're in this room. They're, they're kind of holding out. Uh, they're told that the gift of the Holy Spirit would come, but it hasn't come yet. And they don't even know really what that means. Um, and the Holy Spirit comes and it's this loud sound. It's the sound of power and might. And it comes and rests on each one of them. And they begin to speak. They begin to be witnesses to, to people from all over the world about the goodness of God and who God is. And it draws this massive crowd. And normally what has happened all through Scripture is a massive crowd gathers in the Gospels. And who is up teaching? 
is Jesus. But Jesus is not with them anymore. <clears throat> so Peter stands up as one of Jesus' disciples. Some people say uh, kind of his main disciple. And Peter stands up and he, and he preaches to the people. And we don't know how many gathered, but we know at the end that 3,000 people became believers that day. Believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and what this is often celebrated in the church, like I said, today is a holiday. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Why do we celebrate it? We celebrate it as the birth of the church. So up until this point, uh, people's relationship with God has been a societal one. Sometimes it's been a personal one. Sometimes it's been a, a disciple relationship with Jesus. But at this point, they become more than that. At this point, they are given this charge to be witnesses out into the world. And remember the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. He told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what this is saying is you will be my witnesses in places that are close to you. In places that are near, in, in your Jerusalems. And this applies uh, just the same to us today. When we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit whether we recognize it or not. And the Holy Spirit will enable us and will empower us and to be his witnesses in our Jerusalems, in the places closest to us. Now, I just want you to think uh, for a moment about of some of your spheres uh, of influence. Where are some of the places that you are able to speak into? Uh, some of these places are things like, like work, work settings, uh, school, your home lives, uh, relationships that you have with friends and family members. I think of, of kids and grandkids, all of these wonderful opportunities that we have as believers to be witnesses. Now, if we try to be witnesses in our own strength and in our own ability, what we find is that we stumble over our words, we get intimidated, we get scared, and we need to be, in a sense, more like Peter in this story. Peter stands up in front of the crowd and preaches a word of grace and forgiveness, but it's not a word that comes from Peter. It's a word that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, I've had many, many times uh, doing ministry, working with people, where I've sat down with people, and, and I always pray before God, give me words to speak. Uh, give me words to speak that, that are from you, that are not from me, um, before I have any meetings with anyone. And I can tell you countless times where I've sat down uh, with people and, and they pour out part of their heart. And, and I maybe start responding, and I know that part of it in the beginning, you know, it's maybe some of my own wisdom, but very soon... Uh, I feel like I'm just given words to say. And, and I can tell from their facial expressions that they are connecting in a different way, that, 
that if I were to just rely on my own wisdom and my own knowledge, um, even if it's just my own knowledge of Scripture, uh, I will fall short. But when the Holy Spirit is there, and the Holy Spirit is with us, He will give us words to speak. So if you're intimidated by these situations, anything that I mentioned, family, friends, uh, places in your own house, your own Jerusalems, if you are intimidated about telling them about who Jesus is, the solution is not to not tell them because of your being intimidated. The solution is to continue to pray for God's presence in that situation, to pray for the Holy Spirit to give you words to speak into those people's lives. As the church, we are not a building. So as I mentioned, Pentecost is the celebration of the birth of the church. It's the birth of the people of God who lean on and rely on Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And as those people, we are called to live lives that just, uh, that just continue to bear witness to who Christ is. And again, this is who we are told here, that the, who the Holy Spirit is and how he will act. Verse 8, I've read it before. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes on you. This isn't just talking to the disciples. It says, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in your Jerusalems, and in the places closest to you, and in the next sphere, other places you have influence, but maybe aren't the core of who you are, your Judeas, and the next sphere, your Samarias, and it doesn't stop there. It says, and to the ends of the earth. So our job as the church, not Chapel in the Pines, but the people who are the church, our job is to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And that's really the end of the story. Now, as, as you continue in the Bible, what you read from here on out is the story of faithful people and how they attempted to do that. Faithful people and how they attempted to point people to Christ, how they couldn't have done it in their own power, and how they did it through the power of the Holy Spirit in them. It's just a beautiful story, and it's a beautiful Sunday for us to be able to pause. And again, uh, as I said, sometimes we have favorites um, in the Trinity. Sometimes we can hold up God the Father or God the Son uh, but today is a day where we get to hold up the Holy Spirit. We're able to say, thank you, God, for this gift. Thank you, God, for this ability to witness and how, how you didn't uh, just boom and, and, and form everyone fully uh, in the way that you want them, but you were using us. See, Peter is part of this story. Peter is willing to stand up and to be used by the Holy Spirit. And we are part of the story. We need to be willing to be witnesses to who Jesus is, to what he has done, to how he has forgiven us for our sins, and to how we can find redemption only in him and who he is.